Hey there, and welcome to the UX Growth Podcast, sponsored by Bubble, the platform that empowers you to build web applications with no coding required. This is your go-to spot to dive deep into all things UX design. Here, we tackle the questions you've got about navigating the UX field and share a thing or two to help you grow in your UX journey. Each episode is all about making the tough stuff feel doable and inspiring, you to take the next step in your career. Now, let's jump right into today's chat. Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, a podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with the first guest of season three with Ludovic Delmas and Colton Schweitzer. They are from kickassux.com, turning your creativity into a fulfilling UX career. Thank you so much for you guys being here. It's so awesome to have you guys here. Well, thank you so much, Nick. We're super excited to be here. Yeah, super pumped. Yeah, I know. Like, I how I first saw you guys was on LinkedIn and when you guys are just posting such great content and learning. That's when I realized, wow, you guys are doing such great things at Kickass UX. And I just had to follow you guys and check out what you guys are doing. And I'm so honored to have you guys on this uh, podcast just because not too long ago where I felt like I was a nobody who would want to talk with me. So it's like, it's a incredible experience. That's awesome. So I, I know. I, I so appreciate great. the compliment. I, yeah, we, mm -hmm. we do a lot like, well, we spent a lot of time trying to come up with good content and making sure that what we're putting out is valuable. And so the fact that you found it valuable means a lot. Yeah. And because, you know, all stories begin with how we started out. So I'm just fascinated to learn about you guys. How'd you guys uh, found uh, Kick-Ass UX? Well, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> we didn't find it. We created it from scratch, but it came out of one meeting. And Colton was like, I really want to create a course on UX. I was like, no way. I was about to do the exact same thing. And, and so from that one sentence in that one meeting, that was the spark that started it. That's it. Very simple, very organic, very unexpected. It was meant to be. And yeah. three and a half years later, we're still there. <laughs> yeah, actually longer than that because it was 2019. So we're really got four, four years. Four, yeah. Yeah, oh, that gosh. meeting was in early 2019. Basically, like Ludovic and I worked at Smartsheet together and he and I were had worked together in like some capacity because Ludovic was really in, like he was mobile centric and then he was in charge of the design system. And mm. so I was working with him with design system stuff and I'd help him update certain things on the elements that I was working on and we'd work together on that. But that was like the extent of our relationship. And so when he and I, like I said, I was going to, Hey, I want to do this. He's like, I want to do that too. Like we were both like only had worked together a little bit. And then we didn't realize how like perfectly matched we are together as like a partnership. And so at first we were really, really skeptical together. We're like, are you going to put in as much work as I'm going to put in? <laughs> and yeah. And then like, we kept doing this, like moving forward and it's been uh, just the best. Yeah. Wow. I was kind of and it's wonderful to hear. You know, I was kind of burnt in the past with another co-founder that didn't work much. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was always me working. I was like, please, I hope Colton is a, is a hard working person. And he was. So that was delightful. Uh, yeah, that's so incredible about how these partnerships work. And there's a lot of trust that, that comes into it. So it's so, so fascinating about this. And I imagine you guys have learned so much. So I really want to dive into the valuable lessons you have learned in your UX career so far. Let's start with how someone learned UX design. 
what are some of the ways? Yeah, I mean, so the, the the top three ways to get into UX are going to a university, going to a boot camp, or doing it yourself. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's also hybrid uh, like paths where you kind of do a mix of each of those things. There's pros and cons to each of them. So for myself, I got in by teaching myself and going to a boot camp. And for Ludovic, he just taught himself and got in that way. And mm-hmm. so like the thing is that the the big lesson to take away from this, uh, I would say before like diving into each specific path is that you do not need a certificate to land a job in UX. And I would say that certificates and diplomas are like, it, it's nice like for self-gratification, but that's really about it. No one mm-hmm. cares about where, where you went to school or what diploma you have or what certificate you have. They care about the quality of your work in UX. Now there are of course exceptions to this. There are going to be some people who like, for some reason, still believe in that. But there's also going to be people, well, actually, the other side of that is for UX research, that is the one exception. If you're going for a UX researcher role, then you need to probably have a degree, ideally a master's degree, like in user research. And so the University of Washington HCDE program is a great example of that, where you can get that Mm -hmm. kind of experience. But the point is, is that you should follow the path that makes the most sense for you and your learning style. If you learn best in a classroom live, then you might want to consider either a boot camp or a university program that allows you to be in person live. But you want to make sure that the program that you're taking actually is teaching you the right stuff and has like good mentorship and all that stuff. So like audit the class or whatever you're going to be taking and the people that'll be teaching you. But like, if you learn pretty well on your own or like in you know, more of an asynchronous manner, then like, this is why we built our program. We actually, in the recent past, just transitioned away from being a more boot campy program where we basically were six months long. Now we just switched in the last month and a half to being a self-paced, like join and you, like you basically go through it yourself, but we are with you along the ride where we meet up with students twice a month on a monthly call. And we answer all the questions in the community. And so it's kind of this hybrid role. that's much cheaper and much more affordable than like going to a boot camp or university program. So I could dive into each of those categories of the, the boot camp versus university or do it yourself and kind of what is required, but I'll stop there and see if there's any other things. You, you know, <laughs> you know, we can actually go into that because that's actually like one of the biggest questions I get from my listeners. So we can definitely dive into that. Which one is the best for them? Well, sure. let's start with self-learning because it's kind of like really its own beast. That's pretty much what Colton and I did. And we can tell you it's really hard. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it's made for people who are able to sustain a huge amount of work for many, many weeks, if not months or potentially longer. And so if uh, you need accountability, if you need more of a community, a mentor, self-learning is extremely hard extremely hard because you never know, am I doing the thing right? You never fully know. And if you have mentors here and there, you know, like you, let's say you, you join ADP list and you find a mentor, but it's not a mentor that is going to follow you for many months. It might just be a mentor you get for, you know, one time or two times max. The problem with that is that you're going to get different mentors and different opinions, but you don't have someone following you along the way from A to Z. And you will still never know if, you can take the advice because they don't have as much context or they don't know what the other mentor told you. So there are many reasons why self-learning is extremely complicated. And because we, we went through it and we experienced it and how rough it is, that's also a reason that motivated us to create uh, Kikas UX because we, we realized that, oh my gosh, it's really hard. And on top of that, options out there don't help you stand out from the crowd. And that's why so many portfolios look alike. 
So I guess that's a bridge if Colton, you want to talk about boot camps, but that's the self-learning is doable. We're not saying it's impossible. It's doable. It's possible. But a uh, major caveat that is extremely hard. It's going to take a lot of time and you're going to need to uh, try to find ways to know if what you're doing is right or wrong, but that doesn't come for free. It takes a lot of effort. Yeah. yeah. Just to add to that, the big thing that we hear from people who try to go it on their own, the thing that they say they struggle with the most is finding quality mentorship and accountability. So like they don't actually follow through because they get caught up with life and they're like, I'm not going to keep doing this. That's like the thing that falls by the wayside because it's not been prioritized. That is probably the biggest challenge with self-learning. It's not actually finding, well, and then the third one is like being overwhelmed with all the amount of material that you can find because there's so many conflicting pieces of information out there that you're like, well, I think I know what UX is. And then you go and read something else and you're like, well, maybe I don't. Why we built our program was to like, not have that and put it all in one place. But when it comes to universities and boot camps, I can go through both of them. So for a university program, first of all, almost all undergrad programs, there's not very many of them. So undergrad programs for UX are A, it can be really expensive. Like you're looking at out-of-state tuition or in-state tuition, depending on what school you're going to, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars across multiple years. And you're going to have to take a bunch of different credits that aren't going to apply. It's just the classic university route. And I know this is a hot take, but this is why I think universities are a scam. But separately, then you have master's programs where there's plenty more UX like programs you can hop into. So for example, we talked about the HCDE program. I think that's a great program at the University of Washington. But again, it's expensive. I want to say I looked it up last week and it's like 50 some thousand dollars. It's like 46 or 56,000, somewhere in there. I forget exactly where, somewhere between. For And that's for two years. And then if you're looking at Carnegie Mellon, you're looking at $80,000 for their program. And that's a year long and or Penn State. There's, a, there's many of them. But the point is, is you're looking at like a minimum of like, 30, usually more like 40, $50,000 for one to two years. And a lot of times like, A, it's just not affordable. And B, it doesn't guarantee you anything. Again, the diploma doesn't really matter. Like having a certificate or master's, people don't really care about that unless you're aiming for research. What they care about is the quality of your work. And a lot of those programs, what you do is you end up working on pre-canned projects or something that would never happen in the real world. You work on this very idealistic thing and it could be even like a, a completely new thing that you're solving for a very real problem. I've seen that in a lot of uh, portfolios is they actually are solving a legitimate problem, but it's a problem that would never actually be solved in the real world outside of this scenario because there's no money involved. There's no business involved. It's like, it, it just wouldn't make sense. UX is at the center of business technology and the user. And if there's no business, then there's no UX. Like that, that just wouldn't happen. You'd be doing a hobby and you wouldn't have a job. So that's a big problem with university programs and especially like for master's programs that I that I've seen for portfolios is they're they're working on these idealistic projects. That that's isn't to say that you shouldn't do it. If if that is helpful for you, that could be a really great place to go and learn. Again, if if you learn best in person, um, that's your style. Like, go for it. If you know that about yourself, then you should definitely do it. Just make sure that people who are teaching you have had relevant experience in the industry. They know what they're talking about, and they can help you build a portfolio that will land you a job. And the portfolio that lands you a job has to have at least two to three case studies that solve a real business and user problem. So that means like picking something, for example, let's say I'm excited about food tech and I decided to find a problem that Yelp is experiencing and I go and I solve for that. I treat it like the real thing. Like that would be an example. Or I could go and find a real business 
that needs UX help beyond their website, ideally an actual app or something like digital that has been coded and I go and I solve a problem for them. So that's universities. Then there's boot camps. And so boot camps are a whole separate beast. The big positive of boot camps is they're less expensive than university programs and they're much faster than university programs. But the problem is, is they teach you the breadth of knowledge, but not the depth of knowledge. They don't, they teach you the what, they don't teach you the why, and they don't help you understand why you would do something over something else. So for example, a metaphor that I like to use is like the UX treasure hunter. So that's the way that I see a successful and an effective UX designer is as a UX treasure hunter. Basically you have a map and like you have where you start with the problem and you learn as much as you can about the problem. And that will then tell you your direction. So for example, like let's say that we are doing that thing for Yelp. We're solving for that. I might discover that in my, let's say I do a heuristic slash usability uh, evaluation of Yelp. And I discovered that they're like, this is actually a previous student's project, that, that their reviews aren't very trustworthy. It's hard to understand what is actually trustworthy. Well, start doing is I'd start looking elsewhere, a competitive analysis of other apps in that space. And what are, what are they doing? So like, the start was the problem. I discovered a problem that was there. And then from that, I discovered a direction based on the information I needed to learn. Then from that competitive analysis, I might learn other pieces about where I need to head next. Maybe I need to, I have some questions still about the problem. So I need to do interviews with people who use it. Basically you, you use the method that makes the most sense that then sends you in the direction to get those answers. And you keep doing that over and over until you eventually end up at a solution. There's no such thing as a linear UX process or one that's the same every time. It just That's not the way it works. It's, it's all about critical thinking, being able to take the information you have and make the best decision that then takes you to the next spot. You take get more information, make the best decision and you keep going from there. And so with, with boot camps, they don't teach you that. They don't teach you how to think critically. They teach you a step-by-step -step checklist process and they teach you the what. They don't help you understand that. And so that's the biggest problem with boot camps. And then ladder on top of that, they don't have you work on real world problems, like business and user problems, like we were talking about with like the Yelp example. They, they I think that's been changed a little bit with one or two here and there where they allow you yeah. to kind of pick your case studies. But the majority of them, especially with like the primary boot camps that we all hear about, Last I checked in with graduating students and with instructors there, they work on pre-canned case studies that everyone else does. And they work like, so that basically when they come out, everyone has similar looking case studies. And then, so that's huge problem number one. Uh, but then the other side of that is they can't explain their why, like, because they are working on the same thing. And the last part of that is they work in groups in a lot of them. And on the surface, working in a group sounds like a positive thing. It's like, yeah. oh, they'll learn mm -hmm. collaboration. They'll learn, you know, how to how to work together and how to then like, you know, what how do they, you know, work together asynchronously or synchronously or all the different things. Well, the problem with that is when you're trying to demonstrate to a company that you know what you're talking about and that you can be a, an autonomous UX designer who is effective, you have to be able to show that you know like everything from user research all the way through visual design. Like as a UX generalist, you have to do all the things. And when you work in a group with other UX designers, that means you have to split up the role, like the things that you do. So you're naturally diminishing the impact that you have on that project. And so when it comes time to present your project, you're like, this is the thing that we did and this is what we solved for in three weeks, whatever the time limit is, which is usually very unreasonable. And then you have to be like, well, I like I, this is what we did, but I only did 
the survey and the wireframes and I did the usability testing setup, but I wasn't the one who actually tested it. So then you're not able, able to even show your impact or what you actually can do for a company because the other things are someone else did. And so we very much do not recommend, like if, if this was goes for people in a bootcamp, this goes for people doing on their own. I recommend doing the entire project yourself. Even if like they assign you a group, say, no, I'm going to do this on my own as if it was my own project. You guys can do it yourself for your reason. And you paid the money for it. You don't have to follow exactly what they're saying. Like you can use it as like a way to, to get feedback and a way to get better. But like, I wouldn't follow that side of things. If I was in that and I got assigned a group, I'd say, hell no, I'm doing this myself. Yeah. And, and I'm going to come out with a good portfolio. We actually had a student, she's still in our program and, and she she's going through a bootcamp, but at the same time, she's going through our program too. A number one question was, oh, my bootcamp just gave me a pre-made project that I don't think, I don't know how that's going to end up on my portfolio. I'm not really sure it's going to be worth it. I don't think that's going to fit what I'm trying to do, but they tell me that's what I have to do. And <laughs> she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And we're like, please do not do it because based on, on her profile, it sounded like such a bad idea to do this because it wouldn't create a strong portfolio at the end. It would create a generic cookie cutter portfolio that hiring manager I've seen so many times and they're so bored with that we told her, hey, here is instead use this strategy. Do your own case study based on the first case study you already worked on. What's the golden thread you could find so that your portfolio could then attract a specific type of hiring managers and so on and so forth. And then things lead up. You could see in her face that she was like, oh, thank God, like finally someone telling me, letting me break free of that you have to do this remade project with your group and there is no way around it otherwise you will not graduate our program right and so and so that freed her a lot because she was like oh i'm way more excited to work on that other project i had in mind than this thing that i know is not going to yield anything for for me anyway so in her mind she was like okay i'm i guess i'm going to go through what they tell me to do and at the end of that boot camp i'll do the actual case study that i wanted to work on can you imagine the wasted opportunity and time and effort and all that stuff? It's just so much, right? So there's something really wrong here. And that's something that we, Colton and I are super passionate about, which is work on stuff that you deeply passionate about. And that will create a very strong brand and very unique brand about you and you only uh, versus being very generalist and cookie cutter than like most portfolios out there. Wow. I am so... Uh relieved to hear a lot of the experiences that you guys are sharing so i know that's such useful for the listeners as well as i can attest to the university and then going to self-learning because that's how i originate as a graphic designer with my graphic design degree and then transferring to self-taught into the ux field and i agree with pretty much everything you guys said that's that was really was my experience going through the hurdles of it all and then figuring out. And it did help me learn with my critical thinking skills of finding out like what is worth listening to and what isn't. But I understand like it, it can be tricky for a lot of people. And there is a there is a little bit of I lucked out and being able to trust my gut on certain decisions. Uh -huh. And I know like it's very hard to describe that and it's very hard to teach <laughs> other people that too. So it's like, you know, the best presented and you guys did such a great job of going over what I was feeling, but I can never really put into words. Yeah. I think a big reason that we're able to articulate it fairly well is we've talked to 
dozens, if not at this point, hundreds of people who have gone through similar boot camps and university programs. Like before we even started Kickass UX, we actually interviewed 45 people within a two week period where we just like found people who'd gone through these programs and were asking them like, what went well? What didn't go well? Like, why didn't it go well? Like, what would you improve? What was the your favorite part? Like all these different questions that we went through to, to understand like how it was. And we had some ideas of what was good and what was bad, uh, especially because I had gone through one of them, but we hadn't talked to people who had gone through all the other ones. And so, yeah, we have a very clear picture at this point about how it typically goes down for most people. I I find uh, also really awesome that you guys did UX research on oh, this yeah. so you guys wow. can really practice we what you have to. here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the entire thing, like building this, we very much yeah. followed. We practice what we preach. One caveat I want to throw out there real fast, though, yes. from previously, you're talking about the ways into UX, right? We talked about the do-it-yourself route, the university route, and the bootcamp route. And the caveat slash I thing I want to add is no matter what route you're going to take right now is a really tricky part, a really tricky, tricky time to get into UX just in general, yes. across the board. And so that isn't to say you shouldn't do it. Like I believe that like the skill set of UX is such a high value skill set that even if you don't immediately land a UX job, it can be applied to basically anything. And if you want to start your own business, you want to be a freelancer, you want to do basically anything, you can use the skill set to improve whatever you work on. Like all that said, I just wanted to, provide that caveat. It is hard to get in right now. It's not for the faint of heart. You need to go in understanding it's going to take years. It's not going to take months. Like the, the stories that you see on YouTube where it's like, I got in with no experience after three months. That may have been true, but it was probably true for like a, a low level company that doesn't have like a very rigorous design part of their company, but it's just not going to be true now. I know so many people who are experienced designers and juniors, both who are struggling to land jobs. So now I have seen a little bit of the light at the end of that tunnel. I have seen more juniors start to get hired in the recent past, but it's still, I know people like pl plenty of people that haven't. And so I just want to call that out is like, I firmly believe in learning UX as a skill set. And I think it's something that almost everyone should learn. I believe that to my core. And like, if you're going to land, if you're, if you're doing it just to land a UX job, understand it's going to take some time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like the amount of like portfolio revisions I've had to make based on feedback and mm -hmm. even just like just even try to get the first interview. It definitely was. It's like it's its own challenge, but there's different level of challenges till you get your job. It feels like you're climbing a mountain and you got to secure each foothill up the mountain till you reach the top. And it only feels a lot more treacherous than other kind of like careers where it's only have one interview process and they make the decision where here is you can go three to four, so maybe even five, depending on some of these companies. And it can be a struggle to know each different spot because you're being like interviewed for different perspectives. I mean, you know, there's the behavior, the technical skill sets, and you would practice all this and incorporate this into your portfolio. It, it feels very overwhelming. And why it feels a little di like disingenuous to say, I, I can get in without any experience or I can get in within a month. I know that's so annoying to see. And that's also why we strongly, strongly believe in mentorship, but not just like getting feedback at the end. Once you have your portfolio, it's like actually right at the beginning, 
And what kind of case studies are you, going to, are you going to choose and why? What kind of portfolio are you trying to build at the end of this? And so what we see in a lot of boot camps is that there are pre-made projects that they put one after another, but together they don't mean anything. They don't create something strong. They don't create a brand that's very unique. It's just like, here is my case study number one. It's a mobile thing about the finance industry. And here is my case study number two. It's a, it's a dog app for desktop. They have nothing to do with each other. Can I please get a job? And unfortunately, a lot of people are going through this and it's extremely hard for them to find a job because of the fact that there is no storytelling. There is no golden thread between all the projects. And most of the time, the reason is that they didn't get enough mentorship along the way. There wasn't somewhere, someone there to tell them, hey, FYI, if you choose this second case study, you're going to run into this, this, and this, and this issue. So watch out. If you want to follow through, please do so. But here is my cautionary information, right? And so these are the things that we strongly believe. It's like constant mentorship and constant advice as to where they're at, where they want to go. Does that path fit their goals or not? Because otherwise, what can end up happening is what you described, which is you realize that your portfolio is not cutting it. And then you're like, oh, I have to do so much work. Do I have to redo all my case studies? What's wrong? And and actually, we have a lot of students like this who went through boot camps and they can't land a job because their portfolios are very cookie cutter and, and they know it, they feel it deep down, but they come to us because they're like, I, I don't know what to do. And, and so they need that guidance. And it's very clear that they keep using the same methods that a lot of boot camps keep telling them to, to use. But unfortunately, it's not a way to send out. And standing out nowadays is extremely important just because of the fact that there is so much more competition. There are so many, there are so f- there are fewer jobs than there used to be just a few years ago. And so that means that you need to be extremely strategic. It's not just about doing the work. It's about doing the work with a very specific uh, intent and strategy in place. Otherwise, it's super easy to be on the sidelines. Very, very, very easy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because of the current state. Everyone is having to do their absolute best because of how competitive it is right yeah. now. Yeah. I got hired in June, so I know how it felt. There was some brutal interview process, so gauntlets. <laughs> and yeah. to f- get, like, feel like you're reaching at the end to only get a rejection. I totally know that feeling. Like everything you've done up to this point... It stings. Like there have been t- times you do have to take a step back, reassess what things went well, what things you can improve on, and then keep going forward. And I know so many people will feel like quitting. And yeah. I think that's the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it's important to have a community or accountability uh, from both sides, like because the accountability can act as a, a support system. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it took us a minute to figure out how like that we wanted to switch to our, our program the way it is now. Cause before it was very hands-on. We met twice a week with our students, including every other week individually one-on-one, but it was much more expensive than it is now versus now it's much more of like, it's a much more of a community feel with like a course that you can go through, like through our entire curriculum that we spent a long time, like year and a half, two years building. Um, is that we have calls every two weeks and we're there to be supportive of them and and help them through whatever they're going through. Because we know for a fact that just the support matters so much 
and wanting to continue forward. And that's also why one of the things that we do our best to is respond within the community within like a day or two max. We want to make sure that they know that they're getting support from us and that we're there for them because it is so tough. And like, there's a quote that I know I'm going to butcher and I don't know who it's by. So I will (laughs) leave it that. But the, the quote is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And Mm. I've, I've always loved that because I think it's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely fits together. Especially because this is, we really are all in it together. Yeah. And you like you when you really think about it, spirit of the process. It reminds me is when they did the boot camp, they trying to make to work together. I see what they're going by. What they want you to be able to work as a team and get that hands-on experience. It reminds yeah. me of my college had the capstone, which is like the thesis of for the business students, and they work together as a group. Where it sounds really good on paper because in business you work as a team, but the thing is the work wasn't always divided correctly because they yeah. chose that amongst themselves. Often going to be some slackers and there's going to be someone who are going to be overachievers. Yeah. Yeah. In a corporate job, the collaboration is not between a, a designer and another designer. Most of the time it's between a designer and a PM and a dev, but yeah, that's it. And so that's yeah. the kind of collaboration that actually matters, which is like, how do I talk to a dev? How do I talk to a PM? What are they looking for? What are the specificities of working with one versus another? How do I collaborate best? How do I communicate my ideas better to garner support? There's so many things that are very important in this type of collaboration, the cross-functional teamwork. But when it's between you and other design students, like, well, it's sure it's collaboration, but is it collaboration that actually matters to get a job? No, it's not. It's definitely not. (laughs) And like, like in all of my time now as a UX designer, which is like eight years as like in the field being paid for it, but like more like 10, nine, 10, including like doing stuff on the side and like building my board game and all that stuff, like where I was following UX stuff, like that's getting more like 10. But in all my time, I've only ever worked with other designers on the same project once. And that was with Ludovic and someone else <laughs> named Julie, who's wonderful. Yeah. Who like when we were brought in to help her finish off something that was like became a super high priority. And so we were brought in to help finish it. And that was the only time. And even then we broke it up and we only just came to, together to make sure that what we did made sense with the others. It wasn't mm-hmm. even that like, it was like, we were going through the same page on the exact same things and be like, we're working together on what works and what doesn't. Now we did that on, on certain like circumstances to make sure that it would work across the board, but we did that at a whiteboard. We weren't doing that in Figma or anything else. We were together and we were like, Hey, I'm thinking this. And like that is that sort of interaction where you're providing feedback to other designers is the majority of the interaction that you have with other designers. You're either getting feedback from other designers or you're giving feedback to other designers. You say, hey, I have this thing that I've created. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Here's the thing I'm struggling with. This is the problem that I have with my designs. I don't know how this thing works. What do you think? Like you ask all these questions and you get feedback and that that's the majority of the collaboration that you have with other designers. It's not hey, we're working on this thing together. Like I've, again, only one <laughs> yeah. time in my career has that been the case. Yeah, yeah. Just not how it works. And that's why I've always, just like, when I hear boot camp students or even university students where they're working on the same project, I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, the more, what you just articulated that so well and like how the actual think they work together. And it really is a disconnect about how we work together. Like, wow, that's actually really fascinating to learn about that. Wow. So 
Also, I really love to continuous learning is such a key part in our journey as UX designers as well, because of like, there's always emergency, emerging new technologies, new methodologies, definitely ways to go and just even just new tools. Like as much as we love Figma and Notion, like you might not be here forever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, so I'm fascinated to learn from you guys is how does one continue their learning even when they have their first job or even getting into like their senior level? Oh man, it's super easy. I mean, this is great, great question. So UX is such an amazing career. I think for, at least for me, just because of the fact that it's pretty much unlimited, you could work on it for five years and still learn every single day. And the reason being is that if you just wanted to drill down into just user research, you could spend 20 years in it. just on that alone to really truly master it right the same goes with prototyping with design systems with just mobile or just desktop right like owning a a specific platform Um, and so the, the thing is that as you start your career you are a generalist but then you can become much more of a specialist and dive into a specific area of the UX process and make that specific area, let's say, prototyping your go-to specialty, right? And so you, you're never bored and there is there are always ways to shape your UX career in a certain way. It's called a T-shape designer, right? Where you start broad and then you pick a specific area. Well, that's great. And that's pretty much what I did myself and ended up that, you know, design system is is kind of remote from UX in a sense that there is less user testing. It's more into the, the extreme detail. And, you know, I, I tried it. I was like, let's try it. Let's give it a go and see, see if I like it or not. And and see that that's the kind of flexibility that a UX career gives you. It's like you never, ever uh, stuck with just that one job. You can mold it exactly the way you want. And, and so it's your job as an employee to make sure that your manager knows your goals. And so that's something that I would say to anyone in the audience wanting to do this. Like you really have to voice what, what your goals are and where you're trying to be X amount of years from now so that they can slowly move you into a different team or try to help you achieve those goals, right? So for me, it was design systems, for example. So so. Yeah, it's 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 such a great career. Unlike, you know, for example, if you go into data analysis, for example, well, you know you're going to be doing the same thing over and over again, right? You, it's hard to mold your career after you, you've entered that one job. While in UX, no, you, you can truly move around and become a very different type of T-shaped designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree on the T-shaped designer way because i kind of just like fallen into that a bit and it's also like kind of like going back to my background of graphic design where even that could be such a big field yeah and how there's there's more components that are always going to be developed on top of that but yeah there's so much to and to learn about it and also like how we are going through with our own careers because i think one of the biggest issues i see with a lot of designers in their careers is that they're they're too passive. They end up being mm. complacent. And why do you struggle to adapt? Because it feels like there are no way for them to do so until they unfortunately get like a layoff or some change in life comes in, in a way where they feel forced to. I have a feeling that at least like from, from what we heard, a lot of graphic designers or visual designers especially feel this way because of the fact that design is seen as this, oh, they're just going to create the pretty stuff, right? Can you please make it pretty? Can you make it 
that and that and that. You just <laughs> make a pop. Whatever objective, you will make it pop, make it bigger, whatever, right? <laughs> and so these are the things that over time kills the passion for a lot of graphic designers or visual designers, which is like they feel almost more like order takers versus actually having a seat at the table. And so that's kind of one of the things that at least in UX, even though it's it's still there's still work to do, there is more of that seat at the table being like, okay, I'm making a decision alongside the PM and the devs, and we're trying to find a middle ground here. And so many teams, especially in the US, maybe it's not true for other countries in the world, just because of the fact that it's a newer role, but at least in the US where, and on the West Coast, especially where UX is very mature, a lot of companies realize the importance of UX and they know the importance on the bottom line too, not just on let's make something pretty. It's like, let's make something that works, that's functional, that helps users so that then we can increase our revenue or we can increase our retention rate or X, Y, and Z, right? And so it's it's a design mixed in with business and the user. And that changes the game in terms of how your colleagues perceive you and perceive the, the value of your work. Um, and so that's why we notice a strong difference between general designers, creatives, like graphic designers, and so on, versus UX designers. Obviously, it's not true for everyone, but that's a general mm-hmm. ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a very powerful answer. And one to really think about as we are progressing, especially when we're learning about what is our goals? Like, what is it that we really want to achieve in our role? Because if you aren't making the actions towards it, other people will do it for you. And it's not always going to be the way that we want it to be. <laughs> Most of the time, not. <laughs> <laughs> it's on you. Absolutely. So as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to support what you guys are doing? Well, you can find us on uh, LinkedIn. I post there every day, basically with the exception of the weekends and or our YouTube, where we're about to be a lot more active. But the best place to go is our website, kickassux.com. We have our free UX course. We have a free newsletter that goes out every Saturday. And of course, we have our program, UX UI Expert, which is, I would say, the best thing on the market for for what you get. It's just, uh, yeah, like we put in years of time and effort to craft what we have there. And so, yeah, we're very, very uh, happy about it and very, very excited about it. Yeah, super exciting to see what, what's happening in there and uh, students uh, progressing. Just it makes our day every single time. Yeah, actually, <laughs> real quick before we hop off, like I I do my best to like, kind of craft my LinkedIn posts like a couple of days in advance, so I don't have to worry about it the day of. And so this is why I'm thinking about it now. One of the things that I'm familiar with Juan Ramirez. He's a design lead at Netflix, and he's awesome. He always posts really insightful things. And today, pretty sure it was today, he posted something like, I am not passionate about being a designer. Like, I don't care about like design, you know, growing in design. I don't care about design methods. I don't care about all these different things. What I do care about is creating things, helping others and blah, 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 all down the list. And what he said, I was like, that resonates with me. That is exactly how I feel. I do not care about the design tool at the end of the day. I do not care about design tools. I don't care about the UX process. I don't care about like UX minutia. I don't care about that. What I do care about is helping others is creating really cool things and making the world a better place. And I do not believe that like there's a better career out there that allows you to do those things. And so like, that's something that we, I think as UX designers have to do a better job of articulating to people is that like, as 
as a UX designer, these are the things that like you really are doing. This is really the why, at least for me, behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's like kind of this unspoken thing about what's so awesome about it. Like it is the thing that allows me to, to take an idea and turn it into a solution that's useful, relevant, and meaningful. And so kind of want to just leave it like leave this with that thought because I think it's really important one, especially for people getting into UX that like, especially if you're getting in just for a job, like realize that like there's more to it and that why can be transferred to just about anything that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm really happy that you really dropped that down because that is such valuable as well as like, I feel so jealous of all you guys' like LinkedIn posts because they're so well thought out. It's like, oh man, why didn't I think about that? <laughs> why shouldn't I bring that up? Like, why are these people so much better than me? <laughs> oh, we're not better, man. We, we're we not better at all. We just, it's all about practice. <laughs> that's true. That is true. And that's how a lot of people's portfolios like, oh my gosh, like here's like all this amazing stuff and like it feels like its own mountain but i know like we we have our own voice we are doing you know we're like we're on our own path so i know like i shouldn't compare myself to anyone but that's right so you know exactly comparison is the thief of happiness yeah very important to to know so yeah also (laughs) thank you for all your contributions nick i think like again whatever you bring that what matters is that you bring your authentic self and your unique self to the table because they're going to be insights that you can provide that we could never provide. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to my listeners, all the links of what Colton said will be found in the show notes. So you can easily check out them and support them what they're doing. And I also, I just want to say a big thank you to Colton and Ludovic for being here. It's been an amazing journey and how like it feels like everything we're doing and everything happens for a reason and why we're here being able to share our knowledge together. So yeah, that's why I'm so just so grateful. So great thank you so much, you Nick. Thank you. All right. You guys just listened to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening. That concludes another episode of the UX Growth Podcast. We appreciate your time with us today. If you found value in this discussion, we invite you to follow us on your preferred podcast platform or to connect with the host on LinkedIn. Before we part ways, we'd like to acknowledge our sponsor, Bubble. If you're looking to create web applications effortlessly, Bubble's no-code platform is your gateway. Build your projects with intuitive drag-and-drop actions, making the complex seem simple. And the best part? You can kickstart your app development journey without any coding expertise. To support the show, we encourage you to visit our sponsors link, which can be found along with other links in the show notes. Until our next episode, continue your exploration, learning, and growth in the UX design field.